Welcome to the Signal vs. Noise podcast channel by Stuart Lee. This is Nick Stewart. Financial planning is not boring. It can be exciting, dynamic, and fun. And we make sure to bring that energy into the equation one podcast at a time. If you're new to the show this week, we are Stuart Group Financial Advisors, serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay, the Wairapa, and Wellington. To get updates on our latest podcast episodes, hit the follow button on our SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. You'll find past episodes of the show and more information online at www.stuartgroup.co.nz. For today's podcast, Jeff Wilson has joined me via Zoom. Jeff is a financial advisor at Stuart Group. He works closely with over 240 advisors across New Zealand who support our asset class KiwiSaver funds administered by Booster. Today's podcast is about the lessons we can all learn from the current bear market. So let's jump right in. Welcome, Jeff. How are you doing in your bubble? G'day, Nick, and g'day, everybody. Yes, uh, absolutely fine. It's a, it's a beautiful day outside here in Hawke's Bay. It's been just um, almost like an Indian summer, hasn't it? It so, has. Um, yeah, look, uh, business as usual, albeit um, from the confines of my uh, private residence. <laughs> and Jeff, in your um, you have a similar affliction to myself in that you quite enjoy a glass of claret or uh, red wine. And yeah. so, so tell me, you know, the it's very difficult times for the farmers with um, basically little rain had over the last month and little forecast ahead according to the Met Service ten day forecast. So, would you be expecting an absolute thumper and cracker of a? red wine vintage this harvest yeah you know i mean it's sort of kind of got lost in all the the other news i guess around uh the beginnings to, to 2020 but um yeah uh for those in the know 2020 will be uh, a great wine harvest and and thank goodness the government sort of enabled the producers to be able to get their fruit and everything is voting well so hopefully once we're out of uh, the current uh, dramas um we'll all be able to enjoy a, a great glass of 2020 um new zealand wine mm. it always makes me think back to the that really famous french vintage of 45 because you know the french always said that after after wars or periods of um, enormous difficulty that um that the wine god or wine gods always blessed the french people with a great vintage and 1945 was an absolute thumper in comparison to the really poor vintages through the Nazi rule government era of the Vichy government. Yeah, look, uh, I've never done a, 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 an analysis, but uh, that would be an interesting uh, comparison to do one day. There's a really, really good book about that, um, and it's called Wine and War, and it's about the um, how the Germans would um, request wine shipments to Germany for the... Um, for the German Vermark. And um, the French realized that when they'd received these massive orders for uh, Bordeaux wine to be shipped to certain areas, that they worked out after a couple of major battles that wherever the barrels of Bordeaux were to be sent, there was about to be a major offensive launched. And and look, it's one of the, uh, I don't know if it's an irony, but it's just one of those things that, um, you know, in, in times of stress and, and look, it, these are pretty stressful times for, for a lot of people. 
then um, things like consumption of wine goes up. I mean, I was reading this morning that uh, online wine sales over the last month have, have been up by about 42%. Um, so, you know, in, in the face of adversity, um, there's always, you know, uh, there's always the opportunity to, um, for, for somebody, particularly with the wine connection, to, to be able to uh, take advantage of that. And look, I think going forward, um, there's a very strong um, movement towards supporting local. And I think it was you, Nick, that was saying that um, because there's been a run on sort of local wines uh, and local, by local, I mean New Zealand wines, that actually they're struggling now to, to fulfill international export orders. Mm. So it, it, it's going to be an interesting um, situation going forward um, as to whether this trend will continue. Um, clearly, we're only at round one of some financial stresses, uh, particularly once we get out of the wage subsidy period. And that allies to the market conditions that may um, have some dampening uh, on things like wine consumption and other discretionary purchases. So in terms of the, you know, what can we learn from the current beer market? One of the, um, one of the recent Kenny View comments uh, that we'd made uh, in the local newspaper in our weekly column we talked about that investors typically have a love-hate relationship with cash. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah. Firstly, we're defining this as a bear market. But you know what? I, I had a look at the S&P 500 today, mm. and I did a quick calculation as to where the market is today as compared to uh, just over a month ago, and it was the 23rd of March when it really sort of hit 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 the floor, certainly for, for now. And I think uh, that market is up 28% from, from that point. And if you extract a little bit further back, market is indices are now where they were in October of last year. Now, in October of last year, I think you would have been very happy with the returns that you were getting. So I think everything needs to be put in context here. And look, it's too early to predict whether that's a sustainable recovery. But so I would question, are we in a bear market? Point number one. Uh, to answer your question regarding this love-hate affair with cash, I think, look, uh, certainly um, a few weeks ago when the market was um, declining rapidly, then Clearly, that creates a, a little bit of a fear factor, and it seems to be the same fear factor that drives people to stash a bit of cash under the under the bed or, or get it out of their portfolios. You see somebody else doing it. You think, well, why am I not doing it myself? So I wonder if there's a little bit of this uh, sort of, it, it just catches a bit of a wave. But clearly, yeah, there was a drive towards cash. Um, people have cashed in some of their portfolios. Obviously, with KiwiSaver, that's thankfully actually not something that people can do. Mm. But they were moving, some people, not many, thank goodness, we're moving to a more conservative position. So I think, uh, yeah, it just comes down to probably that innate fear factor. Human beings are not naturally wired to be great investors, are we? No, no, we're not. There's the fight or flight mentality. And eventually, with enough negativity, whether that be uh, media, press and 
uh, water cooler and barbecue discussions or actual uh, paper losses on portfolios, eventually uh, humans do capitulate, eventually. Um, one, one advisor told me a, re a really um, interesting story. He mentioned how a client of his had said, I just want to cash in my, my portfolio, $50,000. And so he said, well, what do you plan to do with it? And she said, well, I plan to uh, keep it in the house just in case. And this is very early on in the piece. And he said, so where exactly are you planning to keep $50,000? And she said, oh, I'll just hide it somewhere. And he goes, well, I have a duty of care to you. I can't, in all honesty, uh, advocate that. What I'm prepared to do is allow you to take some money out, but on the proviso that you get a safe. Because what if somebody came in and stole that money? Um, you know, the, these are these are sometimes the un, unintended consequences of people taking that that sort of uh, flight mentality. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just looking at the um, some of the um, common stock markets around the world, and, and it's interesting you talked about the S and P five hundred being the US top five hundred companies. Our NZX fifty has had similar metrics. You know, we're up to uh, you know we've clawed back if a, a phenomenal amount of, of of the paper losses that were there. But I look across the ditch at our our, our good friends and ANZAC cousins, and um, the market today is actually where it was seven years ago in Australia. But it's yeah. interesting, the, um, such are the benefits of diversification. So if you're an Australian citizen and you had a market weight portfolio to the Morgan Stanley World Index, it would mean your exposure to, or your domestic home bias, your exposure to Australian domestic stocks would be about 2.7% of your portfolio. Therefore, with the Australian stock market being in the doldrums all the way back to 2014, it would be a non-event for you. Unfortunately, many, many folks, many investors have what's called a domestic home bias. And that is where they have typically 60 to 70% of their equities or shares are exposed to their own market with brands and names that they know. And the same can be said for Kiwis. And most of most Kiwis that I see, I have a fairly large overweight to the New Zealand market. And when they talk about diversifying offshore, uh, they look to the Australian market for their diversification. So effectively, they're portfolio, you know, New Zealand's about 0.067% of the world market and Australia being 2.7%, you can see with a little under 3.5%, you've actually got a fairly large exposure to two relatively small sized stock markets in terms of global capitalization. So again, diversification over this period has been your friend. I think it's really interesting. I mean, coming back to the, the cash thing, look, of course, uh, we've always advocated um, that people hold a certain amount of cash for uh, contingencies, anything from say three to six months um, of monthly outgoings is the, the kind of the norm. If there's one benefit out of what is happening right now is that probably more and more people who should have had that three to six month buffer will now start to really think about it. I think, I mean, particularly from a from a KiwiSaver perspective, how many KiwiSaver members have actually been in a situation where the market has been volatile? I, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a bearish market. It's definitely a volatile market. It's going up, it's going down. It's very unpredictable. You know, the, the last time anything remotely like this occurred was, was possibly post-GFC. Well, 
Kiwi Saver is only just starting. Um, it was in its infancy back then. And people's balances were so low that any any swing in market indices or unit prices didn't really have a major impact. Now, 10 years on, people are starting to see for the first time, well, whoa, okay, things can go down as well as up. Now they start to get upset about it. This is the reality of what the markets are. So I think hopefully as a consequence, not too many people will will be too financially um, penalized by this, but it just goes to show that people need to understand that this is what markets do in, in such times. And, you know, when you look at it, you know, a lot of people uh, in March would have been um, very grateful to be sitting in cash if they had moved to cash. Uh, conversely, three weeks on, having looked back at the phenomenal a rebound in stock prices and having missed out on a 25% bump in values on the upside, cash over that period has not been their friend. Yeah, precisely. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who have, um, as you say, they were already in cash and they will have invested, if not in equities, they'll be sitting tight, they'll be waiting to look to go back into property uh, or other asset classes. But it's not uh, that you have to be quite sort of almost disciplined, I think, to be able to do that. Whereas I think for a lot of people, as I say, it tends to be well things are going down but that's the time for me to sell but that's counterintuitive well let's take wine for example we like our wine let's say our favorite uh, chateau cardboard that normally sells for fifty dollars a bottle is um sub and we've got we've got a case of it being advertised for thirty dollars a bottle am i going to sell my case of fifty dollar bottle Shadow cardboard, or am I going to say, "Wow, what a bargain! I'm going to buy more." So you know, it's 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 kind of if people can think of the stock market a little bit like that. People are not day traders. That's the other thing I think. Wall Street day traders, and even if you were an active fund manager, the the evidence suggests that you only get it right. You only pick the market right about once every seven times. If I was given those odds, I I would say well clear. They're, those are odds that I do not like. I'd rather just, you know, go with the flow and stick with stick with the pack. And uh, and Jeff, one of the things you and I have been focused on lately is that um, we're seeing it in some of the offshore markets with some of the really large pension funds, which are akin to KiwiSaver, just larger in size and have a longer duration. In other words, they've been just going for longer such as in Australia or the United States. Yep. And as we've seen, historically in periods of volatility and when yields on even safe instruments such as government bonds are very low, many folks seek out alternative assets such as unlisted property, infrastructure assets, private equity and hedge funds. And yet historically, their market downturns have highlighted two crucial aspects around alternative assets. While some of these strategies appear to diversify away risk, but until a severe spell of market economic weakness arrives, the diversification disappears just when you need it. And, you know, we're reminded of that famous quote of Warren Buffett. And, you know, only Warren has these great quotes. They're just gold. You only learn who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And what happens with these assets is that a lot of people, when everything's going really well and on the up, they all of these unlisted and when I say unlisted, that you're not getting mark to market pricing every day on the value. The prices yeah. become stale. So what happens yeah. a year down the track when all the assets are revalued, 
that is when the tide goes out and then people realize wow i actually did suffer a loss and and that's where these that even if these assets are genuinely distinctive from other assets when there's a rush for cash with the severe volatility everything can get flattened and we're seeing that in australia at the moment where some of the really large uh, pension funds are putting out warnings about that they're going to have to limit the number of withdrawals from their funds because mm. they're unable to get accurate pricing on their unlisted assets and they've basically had to sell all of their liquid assets such as normal plain vanilla shares and bonds because they're unable to sell these funky alternative assets yeah and, yeah. and that means the tide's gone out yeah look it, with every upside there's a downside and what people have not factored in is that there is always going to be a downside. And this comes back to planning, doesn't it? Because if you're thinking in the moment um, all the time and not looking to the long term for your investment strategy, then there's always that risk that you are going to drop off the cliff or you're going to incur a loss because. Back in the day before I saw the light, I used to buy a few shares and I used to say to myself, oh, if I make 25%, I'll sell. And come 25%, part of my brain's going, oh, what about 30? You could make 30. Why don't you, you know, just wait, just hang in there, get 30. The greed sets in. And, and then, you know, sometimes I was lucky and maybe I got 30. And other times I went down to 20 or 15 or, or whatever. So those are the risks you take when you take that very short-term approach. Now, had I uh, invested for the long term, what was $1,000 back then, and we're talking maybe 15 years ago, would now be worth $23,000. So that's, that's more for me that I didn't realize that at the time that I invested $1,000 and I was trying to get $250, you know? So it's all about uh, you've got to have clear expectations as to what you're looking to achieve. There's risk and return. Ideally, what you do is you consult with a financial advisor and you get a diverse um, investment strategy pulled together that plans and delivers over the long term or at least the term of what your investment expectations are. Yeah, and I think, you know, Certainly during this period, you know, the decisions that we make in periods of stress, you know, do have profound implications for, for us and our long-term results. Um, you know, those, those implications, you know, can be vast. Decisions that are whim, uh, without evidence and based on emotion, sadly, can have some negative long-term results. In summary, despite the unpleasant reality at the moment with COVID-19, there's always an opportunity to learn and refine our assumptions and ensure that we're putting ourselves in the best possible position for the long term to achieve our goals and objectives. Well, with that, uh, we uh, both Jeff and I say farewell, and we look forward to catching up with you all on the next podcast. Until then, take care. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this podcast are of a general nature and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorized financial advisor before making any decisions. A disclosure statement 
can be attained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961 or visiting our website www.stewartgroup.co.nz.